0: saying we have so many things to be thankful for, I think this will turn on in a second here, so many things to be thankful for, I guess it turned on, huh, yeah, there we go, came on with a bang, and, you know, we just been through Thanksgiving, of course, and I'm thankful for our congregation, I'm thankful for the gift of music, and those who are good at ministering to us in the, in the area of music. And I'm just kind of amazed at people who can get up and just lead us in worship and sing with such great voices and, and musicianship and giving it all to the Lord. And so I thank God for the gift of music, and I thank God for those who use that gift of music to lead us and to help us and to make others, you know, Give joy. Also, I want to thank you. Laura and I want to thank you for um, the gift that the church gave us for pastor appreciation. And it was very generous. And we just appreciate it so much. So thank you very much. And we love this congregation. And we love the fellowship. I just want to say hi to the visitors here. I see some visitors here. I'm, uh, we're glad that you're here. And look forward to getting to talk to you all. You know, I think just about everyone here would agree that as a nation, we are moving further and further away from the values that we were founded on. And I'm not talking about deep truths of the faith, you know, that you learn as you become a Christian and study the word I'm talking about just a belief in God that there is a God who created the world Uh, just a, a basic reverence for the Bible as the you know the Word of God and I'm talking about things that people in our nation believed even though they weren't Christians even if they weren't Christians they believed in a God who created the world they believed that the Bible is the good book sort of a reverence for the Bible. Uh, Most people believed in a sense of right and wrong, and they could name the rights and wrongs. Uh, They believed, we all believed that one day we're going to stand before God and give an account of our lives, because He is the judge of all mankind. But we've been kind of drifting away from that over the years, Many of you may have heard of a research organization named the Barna Group. It's led by George Barna. He's been doing this for decades now. <clears throat> and he comes out of a university in Arizona. And they continuously, well he's, he's a, de- a dedicated Christian, they continuously take massive surveys over the belief of Americans and the beliefs from people who call themselves Christians. And his research has led him to the strong belief that Americans are generally not deep thinkers. Americans are more doers than thinkers. It's like we're not used to just sitting down and contemplating something like people in other cultures do maybe. It's like we hear this clever sounding argument and we buy into it without even looking into it. It sounds good. All right. I'll believe it. And we don't take time to, take, uh, to think it through. He's just talking about generally you know, our American culture. And according to Mr. Barna's survey, only 6% of Americans have a biblical worldview. And he said that even many Christian schools fall for unbiblical beliefs that have been popularized by society. He said that today, many in our society are being won over by Marxist, atheist ideologies. Not even recognizing it. Uh, Theories that come out of atheism and people are grabbing onto them not even knowing that they come from there. Uh, many today are agreeing that owning property, private property, is bad, is wrong. They believe that families are, are a detriment to societies, harmful to society. Genders are fluid. Living together outside of marriage is somewhat the norm. Our, our world is just changing right before our eyes. And many of our beliefs... <clears throat> have been turned on their head. In many instances, wrong, what used to be wrong is now right, and what used to be right is now wrong. Bad is now good, was, what was bad is now good, and what was good now is looked at as bad. And many things that we looked at and considered rock solid have become much more uncertain So as we move into our Christmas season and we are coming out of our Thanksgiving season and we talked a lot about being thankful to God and we always have to be thankful to God, don't we? Just because of who He is, because of what He's done for us, we should just have this this air of thankfulness that we we live by and that it, it takes hold of us. But what do we do In these times where the truth is seen as outdated. How do we respond in these times of sharp divisions, of chaos, of even foaming hatred? You know, as Christians, we would say, turn to the word of God. But what about claims, even by some who call themselves Christians, that the Bible is not really trustworthy. They say that the epistles were written decades and decades beyond the life of the apostles, and only believers, and and all the early believers had died. Well, this morning I want to start by looking at four verses. And this morning I want to find some solid ground that we can claim and stand upon and work from. These verses will speak to the matter of what can we trust? Are we certain of any truths? And what can we be certain of? We're going to begin with the first four verses of the Gospel of Luke. We're just looking at these verses this morning in the Gospel of Luke and we'll look at a few other verses another uh, epistle but this morning we're looking at the very beginning the introduction of the gospel of Luke <clears throat> and we're going to start with verses 1 and 2 and this is Luke introducing his gospel he says in Luke 1 chapter 1 verse 1 <clears throat> Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. He's saying many people have taken on the task to write down the things that were happening right in their midst. As far as, you know, Jesus Christ and the faith. Just as they were handed down to us by those who who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word this is something else that we can be very very thankful for Luke is talking about the things that were fulfilled right in their midst right among them he's referring to God sending his son he's referring to the scriptures being fulfilled he's bef- he's. Uh, referring to the things that they got to see right in their lives, right in front of them. The Old Testament scriptures come into life in their very presence. You had the Messiah himself come in that They waited for hundreds and hundreds of years, thousands of years for the Messiah. You have the miracles from the Messiah. You have the revelation of God's salvation, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and much, much more. They saw it. They experienced it. And Luke says, many have set out to put into writing these things that they witnessed or learned about and getting them down recorded. And in verse 2, just as they were handed down to us by those who who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. He's basically talking about from the apostles and the disciples and those who knew Jesus personally. So he's talking about people recording events connected to the coming of the Messiah that were fulfilled right there in front of them. And he says their sources, you know when you do research and you use sources, he's saying their sources were eyewitnesses of the events and servants of the word. And that would include the apostles and the disciples that... uh, Follow Jesus, people who traveled with him, lived with him, witnessed everything. And they're gathering all this information that happened right before them. And it says the things that had been fulfilled, that's the Old Testament scriptures, things from the Old Testament prophecies that were being fulfilled right before them. And then now look to see what Luke decides to do with all of this himself. Verses 3 and 4. <clears throat> With this in mind, this is Luke speaking, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. And this is the key to this morning. Here's his reason for writing. So that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. Luke is saying, in light of all these accounts that people are undertaking to write, who had the sources of the eyewitnesses, the apostles, the disciples, people who knew Jesus, he's saying, with all of this in mind, and now also to add to that his own thorough investigation, careful investigation, meaning he himself took those accounts and he also talked to eyewitnesses and traced everything back to the beginning of the story. He says that I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning. So he traced it all the way back and he decided to write an orderly account. I'm guessing that what he did was he took all those accounts and put them into a a good order so that Theophilus could trace them or, or, or follow along And it made sense to him. Now with all that careful research. And connecting with all those contacts. The people closest to the events. He writes this orderly account. So that Theophilus can have the most accurate account Luke can give him. And maybe put it together so Theophilus could understand it. Now he calls him most excellent Theophilus. And that was a term used for high government officials. The Apostle Paul uses that term when he's standing trial before Roman governors. So it seems likely that Theophilus was a high-ranking Roman government official. And then we see that Luke continually connects his statements. If we go on into the the gospel like we will, Luke, more than anybody else, Continually connects his claims and his statements about Jesus and about what has happened to places that people know of, to rulers that people lived under, to uh, events that happened right at that time, you know, so he, Luke can be fact-checked thoroughly because he puts it all in a context of what they were living in and what was happening around them. <clears throat> to certain time frames even. He makes his gospel highly accountable to serious fact-checking, highly vulnerable for people to pick it apart if they you know, want to look at it and try to uh, try to challenge it. And again, it's all so that Theophilus may know the certainty of the things you've been taught. So apparently Theophilus was listening to people, people were teaching him, and Luke says, I'm putting this all together so you can know that these facts are true. These are true facts. Doing his careful research, going back to eyewitnesses, taking the existing accounts, um, probably, I'm, I would just you know say that I, I could almost just bet this for sure is that he went to eyewitnesses and, and interviewed them. And we know that Luke also accompanied the Apostle Paul on his journey. So he spent years with the Apostle Paul. So not only did he get the, the history right, but he was seeing the church being formed out throughout the book of Acts. And at the close of the introduction, He says this, so Theophilus can know with certainty the things he's learned. So just on this purely human level, you know, Luke, we can place very strong confidence in his account of what we will be looking into when we go into the birth of Jesus and John the Baptist and the angel coming and all of that. We know that we can trust this because Luke did everything so carefully in such detail. And everything that we will be looking at in the beginning of Luke's gospel in the next few weeks, we can rest in the certainty of the things that we will be being taught. We can know for certain that the things we will read are true. Now, you know, a lot of the complaints against the Bible forever have been, well, things were written many years after, and people were all dead by the time they did it. They wrote them. And so who knows the real truth? But the assurance of the things we will be looking at doesn't end with Luke's careful, thorough, and painstaking research. Not only do we have that confidence in Luke because he's so careful and he went and talked to everybody and took all the accounts and put them together and put it in an orderly fashion... Not only do we have that, but our assurance goes way beyond Luke's careful and honest research. And this is what we'll look at here in 1 Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to look into why we have even more confidence than just the carefulness of Luke. It's in 1 Peter chapter 1 in 22 through 25 in first Peter chapter 1 Peter talks about being redeemed with the precious blood of Christ you know slaves were redeemed when somebody would pay the price to get them out of slavery or a prisoner out of prison they were redeemed. They paid the redemption price. And it freed that person. It freed that person from the chains they were in or whatever was, was holding them. And redemption in <clears throat> the Bible refers to sinners being purchased out of the slavery to sin because of the death of Christ. Christ paid the, the redemption fee so that we could be free from our sins. So that we could have forgiveness. And we were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. And Peter tells us here in chapter 1 that since we have been purchased out of slavery, we are now to live as children of God, not slaves to sin. So look at verses 22 through 25. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, and what he means by that is when they turned to Jesus Christ, they were forgiven and cleansed. And so, that's what he talks about. Purify yourself by obeying the truth, turning to the truth, turning to Christ. So that you have sincere love for each other. <clears throat> that's a result of turning to Christ. That's one result, that we should love the brothers and sisters. So that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. That's where we are to go with our redemption. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, a seed that rots and and has a death eventually, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So the word of God in itself is enduring. It never dies. It is this imperishable seed. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So going beyond Luke's careful research, facts that could be um, verified by people who saw them happen, not only can we trust Luke's careful research and his heroic effort, but we can go beyond that to trust in God's Word, which is living and enduring. God's Word lives on. God's Word always comes true. It is living and enduring. It will never end. <clears throat> Heaven and earth will end, but Jesus' Word, God's Word, will not end. Our hope is not only in Luke doing such a good job of writing his account, but our hope is in the living and enduring Word of God. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. Probably when you saw certain empires, you would have thought they would never fall. Maybe when we saw America, we thought we would never fall. But eventually, they come crumbling down. But our trust is in the living and enduring Word of God, And it never wavers. It never comes down. It's always there. Even if we stray from it and we have trouble, or some church has trouble, or some nation has trouble, the Word of God never wavers. It doesn't matter how much power an evil person achieves, or how much destruction somebody can cause, that person will eventually fall. No matter how much... How, how high they rise, no matter how many people are scared of them, no how many, how many people have to obey everything they say, they will fall. <clears throat> but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Even when faithful Christians are jailed and suffer persecution, and when pastors in these other lands are taken to prison and the church has no pastor, And people, for their faith, are trampled on in this life. Their evil persecutors will fall to destruction while the faithful will rise to glory. Because the word of the Lord endures forever. And everything that we're going to look into in the next few weeks in this Christmas season, coming off of our season of thankfulness, Everything we look to into the birth of Christ and the coming of the angel to give the announcements and John the Baptist and all the humanly impossible events that we're going to look at, we can rejoice in the enduring and living word of God. You know, the last day started with Jesus being here on the earth. And the apostles, when Jesus talked to them about the kingdom. As he was ready to ascend into heaven. He was talking about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That came on the day of Pentecost. And the disciples heard that and they thought. Hmm, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. That must be the kingdom. Because in in Isaiah it talks about the spirit coming up when the kingdom comes. And so they asked Jesus. Jesus or one of them asks Jesus, is this the time of the coming kingdom that you're talking about when the Spirit comes? And interestingly, of course it wasn't the time, it was the day of Pentecost, right? But Jesus didn't say, no, that's not the time. He could have. He said, it's not for you to know the time. He wouldn't even say no. So, their their mission from Christ was just to continue on and for you know centuries and millennia they were waiting for the Messiah and now we're on the other side of that and we're waiting for the kingdom but it came to them at God's timing and it'll come to us at God's timing because the word of the Lord endures forever And we can rest in the certainty of the things we are taught. Not just because Luke did such a great job, but because God is so faithful. So as the world continues to weave back and forth, as good and evil battle each other on the forefront, we can rest in the certainty of the things that we have been taught. And here's the major takeaway that we can live into as we leave this morning, looking forward to celebrating the, the coming of our Savior, the birth of the Christ child. In verses 22 and 23, again, <clears throat> this is our mission. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, by coming to Christ, so that you have sincere love for each other, isn't that something that our salvation pushes us into loving each other? Love one another deeply from the heart for you have been born again not of perishable seed but of imperishable seed that never dies. That's what we have inside of us through the living and enduring word of God. No matter what happens out there no matter how much evil people may get away with And it looks like they'll never be punished. No matter how much society reels and rocks like a drunken sailor. Or who gains how much power. Or whose kingdom rises and whose kingdom falls. We have been redeemed by the blood, by the precious blood of the Lamb. With Christ coming to pay for our salvation. And we are at this point to love each other deeply from the heart. Because we've been born again of the imperishable seed of the Word of God. We are on the road to the eternal kingdom. It may not feel like it all the time, but we are on that road. We're approaching the eternal kingdom because we have the certainty of the things that we've been taught. The Word of God endures forever. And as we see things around us fall apart, as we see people with evil intentions take their positions of leadership, and as we see right become wrong and wrong become right, we cling to the truth. We help one another on the way to the eternal kingdom. We are on our way and we love each other deeply from the heart. I'm not sure if I even understand loving deeply from the heart. I know Laura does, and you women out there probably do. Probably a few of you men. (laughs) But I think it's just something that we just have to keep growing into. We're here to look for each other, aren't we? We're here, because, we're here to be concerned about each other's spiritual growth and safety. And we are to encourage each other to move forward in our faith. To embrace the security we have in Christ. And we help each other through rough times. And we rejoice with each other through the good times. Earthly power and riches feel good. But they are always temporary. Temporary. And what we have is eternal. So now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart, for you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for such an unspeakable gift, the living and enduring Word of God, to take us who were just people who were sinners and doing what everybody else does and turning us into saints and people with eternal life and an eternal future and who are joined to you. Lord, we just thank you for that. It's such... An amazing blessing beyond what we could even think about. Beyond what we could even dream that would happen. And so now, Lord, we pray that you would help us to to understand that better, live into it more, and bless each other and others even who do not know you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.